0: Let us pray. Dear God, we revere you. Not only did you set the cosmos, not only did you set the stars, not only did you set the trees, the birds, and all the animals in the ocean, but Lord, you still come to see about us. You still hear the prayers that we lift up to you. You still want to prosper us, you still have a plan for us. And for that, Lord, we say, thank you. God, as we enter into this meeting, this meeting where we talk about our mission, this meeting where we talk about our finances, this meeting where we talk about our future plans, God, we just ask that you would touch the hearts, the souls and the minds of everyone in this room and beyond. Lord, we're following you for strategy, but the context of our strategy is this word called hope. And hope is the confident expectation, dear God, that you will move in the lives of your people. And what I've learned through a good friend of mine is that hope is defiant. Hope doesn't care what a balance sheet looks like. Hope doesn't care what economics look like. Hope doesn't care what people say, what people do, what people think. Hope means that we're counting on you. So as we go through all of the strategy, all of the things that we have planned and all of the things that we would love to do for someone else, this isn't for us, God. This is for your glory and to help someone else. We just ask that you would be in all of our strategy, all of our plans. As we meet here tonight, Lord, please pull up a chair and sup with us because we're counting on your Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us, Lord, and wherever it takes us, we will say yes and amen. The people in this room, Lord, love you are committed to you, are willing to be generous to you so that we can get into the green. So God, bless this time. Bless the food that has been prepared and the hands that have prepared it, that it would be nourishment to our spirits, our bodies, and our souls, not to do our will, dear God, but to do yours. We love you, we need you, and we praise your name tonight and all of God's children said, Amen. Good evening, everyone.
1: How's everybody doing tonight? Tonight, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, we're coming into this season of Thanksgiving, uh, and I truly am thankful to be a part of Ginghamsburg Church. Uh, I am very thankful for... If you have questions, we, the board, are here to serve the church, to serve you. Um, They have been uh, fantastic. I'm very thankful for the work that they've done these past few years. I am thankful that each one of them, um, as we go through this time of transition still for us, uh, I'm thankful that uh, all of our board members have agreed to stay on one more year at least Um, in their positions so that uh, we can provide continuity. We as the board are challenged to move forward and use the resources that we have and the resources that we can attain, and we challenge each one of you to bring your resources, not just financial, but now that we're getting back together in the same room, coming back to church seeing the pews fill up every week i'm so thankful for that i'm thankful to see people serving in the coffee shop serving with our children serving with the youth and i encourage everyone this is a place that 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 we love god and do something about it so i encourage you to even do more to bring your friends to show people that Again, we are a people that love God and want to do something about it and are doing something about it, whether it be our time, our skills, our finances. Again, thank you. I'm so thankful and grateful for each one of you here tonight, and I just praise God that I get to be a part of this. That's just so exciting to me, and, and we're so excited because we don't know what we're going to see beyond that next mountain. We don't know if we're going to see the Indi- uh, another mountain or pass down to the ocean, but I'm glad you're here with us on the ride. Thank you, everyone. Hi.
2: Come on up. Come on up, Jim. Uh, my name is Fitz. I'm the family ministry pastor here. I get the fun presentation. And I've asked Jim Wilson, our district superintendent, to join me on the stage to do what we call the impossible shot. And I'm going to explain what it is in a minute. But uh, Jim, here's here's what you have to do. You have a challenge. Uh, are you right-handed? OK, yeah. Go ahead and put that in your left hand. Oh, there, yeah, there you go. And then you're going uh, to do this way. Do like, do, like there, there you go. Now, put that in there. And if everybody looks over to that side, you'll see a target. Now, Jim, if you and you're going to pull it back hard, if you get it in the middle, we will make a $100 donation to the mission of your choice. No pressure, but nobody's ever made this shot. So let's hear it for Jim Wilson, our district here. Pull back hard. You're going to pull back hard. You're going to hit somebody in the front row if you don't pull it back hard. And good try, good try. That was good try. Let's hear it for Jim anyway, ladies and gentlemen. My middle school guys are always good at bringing me back the arrows. Um, what is the impossible shot? That's something we do every Wednesday night at YG, which is our youth group meeting with our teenagers. I'm out of, I'm out of breath. <sighs> uh, because, and why we do it is whenever they bring someone to YG for the first time, that new person and the person who brings them has a chance at the impossible shot to win fabulous cash and prizes. And nobody wins it, but that's Okay. Uh, because what we're emphasizing is we think YG is a great place to be, and we think it's a great place for your friends to be, so why not bring your friends to a place where you can have fun, uh, where you can belong, where you can make a difference? And that's really, those are the three things that we try and emphasize in all of our kids and student ministries, is that this is going to be a place where you can have fun, where you can belong, where you can be yourself, be exactly who God created you to be, and where you can make a difference. So whenever we plot out any of our kids' ministries, student ministries, we keep those things in mind. Those are priorities for us. So what does that look like? Like, what, what is the outcome? Well, since we instituted the uh, impossible shot in September of 21, we've seen 81 first-timers come to YG. Okay, so that was, yeah, yeah. Now, I will say thank you for the applause, but if you applause after each number, I'm going to go way over. That man's going to fire me. So, um, but it's not just about kids. It's not just about student ministries um, because the atmosphere, the same kind of atmosphere, we emphasize that in our kids' ministries too. And in that sim- same time frame since September of 21, we've seen 118 kids attend Gingensburg Kids' Ministry for the very first time. Again, a a great number. I know you want to applaud just to do it in your spirit, okay? Um, And at our Fort McKinley campus, we've, we've been averaging about 10 kids every Sunday, which for that community is a great, great number. So we're totally pumped about those things. But it's not just about what happens on Sunday and Wednesdays. Things happen during the week. On other days of the weekend, we have things like Fall Bash, where our teenagers got to destroy pumpkins with things like baseball bats and golf clubs. We were safe. Everything was good. Laser tag, 80s murder mystery. This summer, we sent 24 of our kids to Camp Kid Jam. Uh, they had an absolute blast, and some of them got to meet their hero, Kellen. And the host of the so-and-so show. And those of you who serve in kids ministry, you know how important those people are in those kids' lives. So uh, my daughter got to meet Kellen. So that was uh, pretty awesome. We also have this little thing called Blitz. Have you heard of Blitz? Kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, the biggest party in our area for a third through fifth graders. Just last month, we had 143 kids come to Blitz. Um, and they were loud. Uh, and smelly, uh, and they, they just never stopped moving, and they got sweaty, and they heard about Jesus, and they worshiped Jesus. And so, yeah, okay, clap for that one. Go ahead. That's fine. That's good. And then on one Saturday in April, on a day, on a day where the weather could best be described as apocalyptic... Uh, <laughs> I had never heard of the word grapple before that day, um, but we, we hosted over 3,000 kids across our Easter egg hunts. They got to come, they got to have a great time uh, at church, they got to hear about Jesus, so that was huge. Um, and then there's the part of the th- tr- three things that we try and, um, uh, try and emphasize, that we try and guarantee, and that is making a difference. And I want to thank all of you for making a difference for a bunch of kids who may never set foot in any of our doors, and those are the students at Bell Haven Elementary. Uh, we reached out to them in August and said, hey, how can we as a church bless you? And they said, we would love a, a supply drive. And as a result of that, you donated over 100 assorted school supplies, over 300 uniform items. 1,900 hygiene products and over 5,000 individual snacks. That was incredible, and those folks were so blessed. So thank you for your generosity to them. Also, because of your generosity, we were able to send 21 of our middle and high school students to Washington DC this summer on a summer missions uh, experience. They got to serve in a variety of different areas. So, I just threw a a ridiculous amount of numbers at you in a short amount of time, and I apologize for that. But, two more numbers I want to share with you that. These are the important ones. You know? Uh, 17 of our students. confirm their faith in Jesus and what basically what that means is at some point when they were a baby they were probably baptized but this is the time that they got to say yes to Jesus and make that decision for themselves and since the beginning of this year 26 kids uh, have said yes to Jesus Um, yeah (laughs) that's why we eat pizza every freaking week And I've been doing it for like 19 years. Uh, That's why we eat sugar. That's why we stay up too late and deal with loud music and all the things, because they're saying yes to Jesus. So thanks.
3: Well, we are delighted tonight to have with us, to share with us our district superintendent, Dr. Jim Wilson. He is the presiding elder, over 135 plus churches and many more on the way, all right, in the Miami Valley. How many counties, Jim? Seven, nine counties. So we are grateful to have Jim as our new DS. Now Jim is no stranger to Miami County and he's a friend of many here and a future friend to all of us. Some of you know that Jim pastored in Miami County. He's been a United Methodist pastor for about 36 years, but he pastored nine years as senior pastor of Troy First United Methodist Church. His wife, Nancy, taught in Troy Junior High. And after a wonderful ministry there at the time that Troy was at its height, He was called by Bishop to serve in Columbus at Messiah in Westerville. It was a time in this historic church where they were financially challenged and they brought Jim in to lead them through that challenge and and God did an amazing work over the 12 years that he served and he's gonna talk a little bit about their journey tonight and how they focused on mission. Jim has a heart for mission. As some of you know and you've traveled with him, he is the founder of Bradley's House of Hope in Managua, Nicaragua, where he made 45 trips to mission trips and led many, many groups, uh, many college students down to Nicaragua in that beautiful ministry. Rachel and I went twice with Jim down there when we were serving in Piqua. And then over the last several years, uh, God has opened up a a new door in Cuba where Jim has made over 25, 26 recent trips and ministry there. Now, Jim and I go way back. Uh, He is a friend of mine. Uh, We grew up in the same area. We're both from southeast Ohio. We actually went to rival high schools. I've I've been told that he was the mascot for Sheridan High School. You were Phil, Phil Sheridan, right? General Sheridan <laughs> during your high school days. And so when I was the district superintendent before uh, coming here back in that area in southeast Ohio, I was the superintendent of his home church in Perry County and in the surrounding uh, churches. So anytime that I got into trouble. This is true, Jim. I don't know if I told you this or not. But uh, when some of these churches weren't happy with the decisions of the DS, meaning your pastor, I would always drop his name. I'd say, did you know? I'm a friend of Jimmy Wilson's. Do Do you know Jimmy Wilson? You know Jimmy Wilson? Really? Well, then you're a friend of us. For any friend of Jimmy Wilson, literally. I became popular overnight in Perry County, Jim because I kept talking about Jimmy Wilson. Well, I'm grateful that Jimmy Wilson is a friend of Gingensburg Church, amen? amen? And we invite him to come tonight, so welcome. My wife Rachel's gonna come and read our scripture from Luke chapter 19, and then Jim will come and give us the word.
4: Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham.
5: Well, good evening, everybody. <laughs> you know, good Lord has a sense of humor when you're, uh, your speaker tonight is a, is a kid from Perry County. Mercy, uh, If you don't know where Perry County's at, uh, count yourself blessed. But if you do, you understand. And uh, when, when your pastor says, we went to competing rival schools, we were both part of what was called the Muskingum Valley League. Uh, pastor Dennis is from Philo, Philo Electrics. And I was from Sheridan, Sheridan General. Was Let me tell you something, I'm not lying. When Sheridan would play Philo, it was a guaranteed win. The, the, those guys were so bad; they were 0 and 18. You know, so as a little kid growing up, we would go visit Philo, and uh, they played in the pit. It had the worst facility in the in the in the conference. So when when I matured to uh, being a freshman in high school and I made the basketball team, I was the 15th player out of 15 players. On an O and 15 team, which means we were so bad we couldn't even beat Philo, but I'm just saying, just saying. But anyway, uh, I've, I've appreciated uh, my friendship with Pastor Dennis and his wife, Rachel. You know, God sent Dennis to Ginghamsburg, but I sent Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> oh, mercy. No, just give, good, give the good Lord credit for both. I want to talk to you about a story that we probably heard our our whole lives, that little story about Zacchaeus. Four months into being a a district superintendent, they said I would be shocked, I'm past shocked. And uh, don't get to preach very often, don't let that scare you because uh, there's a clock right in front of me, I'm gonna move it, okay? But it's like, oh wow, if I was preaching and I could preach on the story of Zacchaeus, I would preach on why couldn't Zacchaeus see Jesus? Now we know he couldn't see because he was short. Short little fella, climbed stick a more tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Then I would ask the rhetorical question to the church today, why can't we see Jesus? I would answer my own question. I would say, the church can't see Jesus today because of the church. I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm just telling you, you walk in my shoes for four months, you'd be shouting amen, hallelujah, it's the church. So many times it's keeping people from seeing Jesus. Now, I'm preaching to the choir here because you're you're not the ordinary church. You're extraordinary. And so, so many people look to Ginghamsburg as the flagship. As goes Ginghamsburg, so goes a whole lot of other churches. A whole lot of people complain about you. I can't believe they're doing that. And then give them a year or two, they're doing the exact same thing you were doing. (laughs) That's confession for, for me, you know, so. But anyway, but... I'm not gonna preach on that. Because I don't think that's the full story of Zacchaeus. I wonder if the focus is what he did once he came down out of the tree. Yeah, he came down out of the tree. uh, When Jesus says, I'm going to your house today, I'm assuming they had dinner, whatever. But then what did he do? He, He repaid all of those that he had cheated four times over. Now, some people might say, um, oh, quit giving him credit. He was just doing what he was required to do. I was at one church and I had this woman actually beat her car. This is Bible-thumping country. Yai, 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 you know. But uh, that's all right. That's all right. I, I, she would be one that might say, um, Exodus chapter 22, verse 1. If you cheat anybody, you got to return what you, you know, cheated them and repay them four times more. So don't make Zacchaeus out to be a hero. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. If I had the guts enough, I would say, uh, let's beat the Bible. You want to beat the chapter of Exodus, I'll beat the chapter of Leviticus, where it also says, if you rip somebody off, you got to repay the principal in one-fifth. So so you help me understand if we're going to be Bible thumping, what what chapter are we going to thump? But I'm I'm just going to skip that sermon too. I'll save that for another church. (laughs) Eventually, once all this commotion gets done, what does Zacchaeus do? You get get that little pledge card out and see where he's at. I think he would be on that top rung. He repaid and he gave 50% of what he had to the poor. I hope I live a long time. But when I do die and I get to heaven, I'm going to look him up. He's going to be the little short fellow walking around. He'll be easy to find. Dude, hey, come here, come here, dude. Help me understand, when did you feel Jesus the most? At the foot of the sycamore tree or when you were helping the poor? And I'll bet you that he felt Jesus most fully when he was helping the poor. That's been a little bit of my journey. Dennis says they sent me to Messiah because they were having problems. Oh, that's a bunch of baloney too. You know, I'm sitting over here in Miami County. It's a pretty sweet deal. You know, Miami County is a great place to live. That that whole um, shot thing right there, there was a night at uh, Troy Memorial Stadium where A guy from my church won the ticket to go out and throw the football through a little tiny hole that nobody ever does. He said, preacher, why don't you go out there? I said, I can't go down them steps. Okay, I'll go down there and make a fool myself. I threw the football and went straight in the hole. (laughs) Got the video to prove it too, you know. So I'm over here in Disney World. And they said, Uh, Got an opportunity for you. Would you like to go to uh, Church of the Messiah in Westerville? I said, I don't even know about Westerville. The only thing I know, they got a bunch of churches Church of the Master, Church of the Messiah, Church of the Redeemer, Church of the Savior. Superintendent said, This is the United Methodist Church. Well, I'm a Buckeye fan. I understand what the means. You know, (laughs) I'll go to the any day. So I go over there. I'm about a month or two into it. I'm thinking, you know what? I know I'm from Perry County. I get that, but something doesn't add up here. Uh, this church is broke. Long story made short, the general fund was minus $55,000. The debt was $1.6 And there's three metal poles holding up the front of the church in uptown Westerville, the land of the rich and famous, so the, the, the roof wouldn't be compromised and potentially fall in. Nobody said that during the introduction, you know, nobody, opportunity, uh-huh, yep, I, I, I know that word, so I go down to superintendent, Marcus Atha was the district superintendent, I said, Marcus, if you knew this situation and didn't tell me, we got a problem, if you didn't know, I'm here today to tell you, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, everybody to this day always claims they didn't know, and I sit down and explained it. Now that's a situation. That was one of the top 10 largest churches in this annual conference. I'm not smart enough to how to figure that out. I grew up in a town that had one traffic light, 832 people. My mother typed the water bills on a typewriter in our living in our family living room. When I left there, I left my successor over $700,000 in the general fund, completely debt-free, a remodeled sanctuary, and an additional half a million dollar mission program. And I give God all the glory for that. People said, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? I said, you know, let me tell you something, two things. We didn't spend more than what we received. Oh, I know in, in that earth breaking, you came here tonight to hear that? Well, I'm like, oh, where'd where you get this guy from? That's what we did. And we also made sure that next year's budget was never more than what we actually received last year. Because my mother only had a high school education more than most in her little community in Southern Perry County. But she taught me faith and common sense go hand in hand. So when we budgeted that way, we were budgeting surpluses year after year. And then the final part of that whole turnaround was we we knew we were going to get out of the hole. But when we got out of the hole, it was going to be a matter of how we did it, not that we did it. That when we got to the finish line and and ended up with some fiscal stability, we wanted to have a sense of peace about it and a degree of integrity. And I actually got invited to Dave Ramsey's live radio show and got to go down there on behalf of the congregation, got to shout, we're debt free. And he asked me how we did it. And I told him the same thing I just told you. And I said, Dave Ramsey, we were determined not to get out of debt on the backs of the poor because every single year we fulfilled our obligations and we expanded our mission program missions will raise all the ships in the harbor you already know that you you find yourself now in a in a season unprecedented I, too, think we've, we probably use that word more than we should. It's a reality. Everybody here this evening knows that Ginghamsburg is on its way back. You know? We, we can all debate where we've been, but wherever we've been, it's not necessarily bad. We're on our way back but we're not going to end up where we started it's going to be even further and so whenever we get there we all want to have a sense that you know what we didn't get there on the backs of the poor a little bit of our mission experience at messiah i found myself over in chennai india knew nothing about india but through a long story made short, was over there in a ministry called Little Drops. Mother Teresa actually had visited there twice. So I knew I was in some place special if Mother Teresa had been there. There's a guy over in India that says everybody deserves a dignified death. And in this particular part of India, a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't want to be judgmental, can't care for their loved ones anymore. They just put them in the street to die. So we raised some money, got this guy a little scooter. He went around town and would pick up half dead people and then would take them to this facility to give them a dignified place to die. When I went over to visit in person and I walked in the first room, I thought, oh my God. On cement pads was human body after human body after human body. I had people around me to keep me on track to do this, this, and this, but I thought, I don't care what anybody wants me to do. I just had to kneel down and, and, and touch this person who is a child of God. And I knew there wasn't a darn thing I could do to save that life. But there is something I could do in telling that story that says this person doesn't have to die like a dog in the street. And we built this this hospice unit so that you could lay there and look at these little ducks in a courtyard and have a sense of peace before you died. And I went to the next person, the next person, everybody looking at their watch, looking at their watch. And I realized I had to get to the next room and the next room. I got all the way down at the end of the room. Then there was the upstairs. Then there's another campus. This guy had a thousand people that he had picked up out of the street and all he was trying to do was give them a dignified way to die. I felt Jesus there. I felt Jesus there more than at the base of the sycamore tree. I go down to Nicaragua and uh, long story made short there, my wife and I had a son named Bradley graduated from Troy High School, completely handicapped, blind, deaf, non-ambulatory, like a vegetable. He spent the last seven years of his life at Kester Pavilion. I remember when they wheeled him across the stage uh, in Hobart Arena, the whole place stood up and clapped because everybody in Hobart Arena that night knew that there was a story behind this extremely crippled kid. So he inspired a lot of people, and he inspired a lot of people in Miami County to say, you know what? We can help those that have special needs in the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So we we built a building called Bradley's House of Hope, and today, 130 special needs children get physical therapy every week. Fifteen years later, the ministry hasn't died. I remember the day one woman came up, and she had a it had her nephew in her arms. Big lady, strong lady. She was the aunt of this kid that was just like Brad, completely incapacitated. And she came right up in my face and she said, and this kid's name was Marcos, one day I want my, my nephew, I want Marcos to be just like your son. My God, I never heard that before. My, my son is your, is your worst nightmare. Nobody would ever want their child to be like my child. My child never spoke a word. My child never rolled over. My child was born normal, got spinal meningitis when he was six weeks old. So when he died at 19, he was still a six-week-old baby inside of a 19-year-old body. Nobody wants to go through that much hell and be confined to a bed for 19 years. I want my my nephew, Marcos, to be like, like Bradley And through the interpreters, they're saying what she's trying to say is that she wants her nephew to inspire so many other people like your son has inspired. Obviously, when Bradley died, Marcos got all of Brad's clothes. I couldn't do anything for my son. I didn't, I couldn't pay for a Nike sports camp or I didn't have to buy a a car when he turned 16. We didn't have to rent a tux for a prom but he was a best-dressed cat in Kester Pavilion, let me tell you that, you know. So Marcos, in the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, he's now a sharp-dressed cat, you know. He's still living today. Wow. And then I go to Cuba. I felt Jesus so intimately in India and Nicaragua. I don't want to go to Cuba. You know, first of all, it's illegal to do. It's probably too expensive to do. I was wrong on all fronts. And, and I go down there and I discover a reality that just blows me away. I, have, I, I don't want to get political. I know I'm in Miami County. It would be fun to. <laughs> you know, uh, courthouse mafia, but uh, it's all right. <laughs> just joking, just joking. But the embargo... You just got to ask yourself do you, and i don't i 'm still learning myself, do we know everything we need to know about the embargo? All I know is if we 've had an embargo for fifty years, uh, the rich are still rich down there, and the poor are getting poorer. I go down there and they say, "Can you bring us somebody down there to so know how we can grow the church?" I said, "Grow the church, good night, nurse. I think we need some Cubans to come to America to teach us how to grow the church and Cuba. You've got to go grow a church, plant a church, and grow a church. And if you're successful, then we'll send you to seminary. Oh, it's on fire. And you can talk about the budget and the pledge card. For the entire year, you can fully fund the congregation for four, like $1,500, run the whole shebang. And they're growing like crazy because they're persecuted. We, we know enough about our faith. When the church is persecuted, that's when it's growing. So I am say, hey, I, I don't need a share of Jesus down here. You guys already know Jesus, but you don't have enough to eat. So we've distributed over 100,000 pounds of rice and beans. Well, that's illegal to do. Government's supposed to ration. Well, I know it's illegal. I can talk about it in Miami County. <laughs> but, you know, there's a farmer down there. He has to give his rice and beans to the government. But he knows when... When the church comes, the church is always very nice, fill in the blanks. And he holds back some rice and beans because he knows what I'm doing with the rice and beans. I'm gonna give it to the hungry people in his community for free. And as a result, we're gonna bless him in a mighty way. People that helped me out down there, they said, you, you know he's an atheist. I know he's an atheist. I also know he's wearing a Church of the Messiah t-shirt driving around that tractor all through Cuba too. I'm just saying, I feel close to Jesus. So, I'm not telling you how to go forward. I'm just saying you're going forward and your best days are in front of you. When you get there, will you be at peace? Will you recapture your fiscal stability because of your faithful missional outreach? Or will you take a shortcut and do it on the backs of the poor? That's a hard question to ask. Don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm gutsy enough to name it tonight because I know you well enough. You're from Miami County and the surrounding areas. This is Ginghamsburg. You're not here by accident. You have been the flag bearer for this annual conference for years and years and years and furthermore across the United States. This is a huge footprint. You already got what it takes. So as you canoe forward into your new day, you're gonna, you're gonna feel it most and the missional outreach of this this congregation. It's gonna be fun to watch. My job as your superintendent is to say the heck out of the way, all right? But I'm gonna be there cheering you every step of the way. And anytime I can put some fuel on this fire, this is where I wanna be. I gotta go out and fight with the Bible thumping lady. I'd say that's kind of fun, you know, it's... uh, I can kind of put my Perry County attitude on and just fight right with her. But in Miami County, you are the children of God called for such a moment. God blessed you as you go forth and find your way.